We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't doing it. You, you personally? I think we ain't doing it. Right, welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast. Proud part of Ramstalk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the best place to get any local or national sports podcast. I'm Steve Ribeiro, here as always with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, how you doing, man? We're recording this on a Thursday night, a little late in the week for us, but hey, it's almost Friday. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a late start to the work week, so we figured why not delay the pod, you know, a day also. Yeah, why not? I'm dealing with a uh, rampant sore throat, so if you hear me chugging water on this podcast, ignore me. Uh, I consider this my flu game. We are doing Rams Mount Rushmore's again. This time it's the defensive side of the ball. I am way less confident in my picks than I was last week here. Um, But if you didn't listen to part one, check out our pod last week where we did the offense, and we are going to get into the defense today. Uh, You ready to roll, Johnny? Always. Let's do it. Uh, okay. We combined. So rules of this is almost every position we talk about. It's going to be four, um, four players deep. We combine defensive lines. So we combine defensive ends and defensive tackles. This made it way more interesting. Uh, so good call, Johnny. Let Let's start at the top. Okay, this will be. I'm sure a divisive debate between maybe between us, but more than likely between people under 60 and people who were alive during the 1960s uh, and consciously watching football. I would love to know who your who's at the top of your list. Number one here out of our six defensive linemen. Uh, Before I get into that, kind of one of the reasons I I want to explain one of the reasons why I wanted to combine the defensive line is because a lot of these guys, 
you know, they played both positions, defensive tackle and defensive end. And it's it's really difficult to kind of judge who <laughs> which player is going to be considered a defensive tackle and which is going to be considered defensive end. So in the end, it was better just to combine them all into, into a defensive line. Uh, Steve and I were, you know, kind of checking back and forth who would we consider here. I'm like, let's just do it all in one um, one category there. Yeah, we were really reaching for uh, a fourth, like defensive tackle. It was getting it, rough. Well, I mean, again, it's like, how, who do you consider a defensive tackle? Who do you consider defensive end? Uh, a lot of, you know, some of these are pretty uh, self-explanatory. Like, uh, I'll just go ahead and announce my number one guy here, uh, which is Aaron Donald. Uh, you would probably classify him as a defensive tackle because, I mean, that's his main position, though he has played defensive end also. So uh, I still think it would be easier to identify him as opposed to the other players that are going to be on this list. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald is by far – well, maybe not by far. but uh, It's not by far. It's not by far. Uh, but he is definitely, I will say, my number one guy here. Now, um, would would this have been your case a year ago? Would you have ranked him number one? I think it would be harder to justify him being the number one guy a year ago because he didn't have a Super Bowl ring. But now that he has a Super Bowl wing, ring, oh, wow, wing. He, had a, he has a Super Bowl wing. <laughs> but now that he has a Super Bowl ring, oh, talking it. is <laughs> Talking is hard, guys. I feel you, brother. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, now that he has his ring, Aaron Donald, I mean, he pretty much has done everything he could possibly do to get all these accolades. I mean, there are other accolades he could shoot for, for sure. But if he were to retire today, which was a very real possibility, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and there's no doubt about it. And... Uh, you know, just this era of football, you know, um, being that, you know, kind of gritty trenches kind of uh, era, um, you know, back in the day, as opposed to now, where it's more fast paced, more athletic. Um, it, it's it's kind of interesting seeing a guy like Aaron Donald being this, you know, really, <laughs> this really amazing defensive tackle getting two quarterbacks like it's nothing. I mean, I I can't recall uh, a defensive lineman that draws so many double and triple teams like Aaron Donald does, and it's even come to the point where he's basically held every single down and it doesn't get called. So, yeah, in, in my opinion, Aaron Donald's clearly the number one guy. Maybe it's not by a wide margin, but it's for surely, in my opinion, the number one. It's controversial to say that, especially for some of our older listeners out there that recall the guys that you know will be on this list. But um, I don't think you can deny it, man. Aaron Donald has been a beast, will continue to be a beast. It it all just depends on how much longer he continues to play. Yeah, it's, it's not like a blowout victory here, but... With the Super Bowl ring, I think it comfortably puts him ahead of Deacon Jones, who I think is both going to be our number two here. Uh, pretty comfortable to, to me puts him ahead of that. I mean, I know we said that it's hard to com- 
pair eras, but like as a tiebreaker, I would use that. And also, Aaron Donald won a ring. Um, and unfortunately, our guy Deacon Jones didn't back in the day. And if you look at their accolades, Aaron Donald has just as many Pro Bowls. He's more first team All Pros. He won our Super Bowl. Uh, he's more defensive players of the year. So the stats back it up. The championships back it up. Um, in his career, Aaron Donald, eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time first-team All-Pro, Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl champ, two-time NFC champ, had 20 and a half sacks as a fucking defensive tackle while getting double-teamed every play pretty much. Uh, he's had double-digit sacks six times. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. He basically broke football, fo- pro football focus. Uh, yeah, it feels obvious to me, and I think the ring is is the cherry on top. A year ago, I don't know where my head would have lied in this discussion. I think I would have went with Aaron Donald because of recency bias, but I think today, I, I think the debate is over. It's kind of nuts to really think about that because even though uh, you know guys like Deacon Jones was way before our era, um. Uh, but I even knowing that it's he's obviously a guy that <laughs> that um, pretty much every fan of football, no matter what age, no matter what era, you know, Deacon Jones's name, you know what he's contributed to the sport. And if you don't, then you should learn. But um, <laughs> that being said, I, I don't I didn't imagine at any point. Uh, you know, growing up a, a football fan, that anyone would even come close to the status of Deacon Jones. And then there's Aaron Donald. <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. and and one thing you have to consider also is Deacon Jones, while it, he didn't always play on the in the fearsome foursome, he did have the benefit of playing in one of the greatest defensive lines ever assembled. And pretty much with Aaron Donald, as long as you put him on a defensive line, everyone around him is going to prosper, and so will he. So, uh, and, and evidence of that is the many defenders that have kind of circulated around, like Dante Fowler, and, and just kind of fallen off the edge of the earth. Yeah, uh, Corey Littleton, another example. Did play uh, with some studs though, too. Not not to the level of Deacon Jones, but no, not even close. You could mention those guys, and you can mention Von Miller, Robert Quinn, Chris Long, uh, Michael Brockers, guys who were clearly good, but no, not not fearsome foursome type stuff. No, not even close. So um, I'll, I'll add that to to the argument there. Um, but man, uh, it's it's kind of wild to think about. Because I didn't think anyone would even be in the conversation of Deacon Jones, um, but yet here he is. Yeah, and I mean the guys who I'm also assuming we have a three and four are two of the greatest defensive players of all time, and all, all and aren't in the conversation with Deacon Jones because he was that good at number two. I mean, I'll read you off his accolades: two-time defensive player of the year, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. His sack numbers aren't official, but if they were, based on the unofficial numbers we have, uh, he would have had the third most sacks in NFL history, I believe. Um, He led the league in sacks five times over the peak of his powers, a six-season stretch in the mid-60s. He averaged 19.3 sacks a season in a 14-game season. Uh, So that just, like, (laughs) 
absolutely comical numbers, and it's insane that he's not number one. And I think really if you took the best four guys out of any team in the NFL's defensive line in history and said who's got the best one, this is probably it, probably by good margin, um, because you have two of the probably top five, if not that top ten defensive players to ever play football uh, in AD and Aaron Donald, and then um, – you got Merlin Olsen and Jack Youngblood right behind him. We'll see what order we put those guys in, but two first bout Hall of Famers, two all time greats. And the, and, the, and those two don't come close to Deacon Jones, man. He basically invented the sack. I think he coined the term, if history is to be believed, right? Yeah, he he is the inventor of the sack, and I, you know, even if that weren't the case, if he wasn't the inventor, he sure as hell was the pioneer. Um, I. But I'm pretty sure he was the inventor of the sack, and and damn, he—it's <laughs> just wild to think about how this guy averaged that many, you know, quote unquote sacks um, during that time frame with just 14 games. Like that's that's insanity right there. But um, and th- and that's why it, it can't be stressed enough how good Aaron Donald really is if you're being compared to the likes of Deacon Jones, uh, you know, Deacon Jones is, you know, will forever be somebody that uh, will be within the conversation of one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, so if you're in that league, you're in a damn good league. No. Yeah, man. Uh, he is surefire legend. I can't believe his Jersey didn't get retired until 2009. Really? That apparently is... I got retired Why? in St. Louis. That's that's a huge oversight. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, it was probably when he died, right? No, I, so I saw that and I looked because that was my first thought, uh, and it actually wasn't. I don't know if he went. Um, I'm sure he did, but it was 2009. He died in 2013. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, that I'm sure that was everyone's first thought who's ever heard that. Uh, so I'm I'm glad he was there for it. Yeah, at least he was for yeah. sure. True, true pioneer of the game. Three and four, I think, is kind of a debate. Who did you have at three? Uh, you know, I I can understand why you would have one over the other. Uh, I can really understand the conversation. And and uh, for me, I put Merlin Olson. I I just for me, I. He's he's another icon. I mean, really, both of them are iconic names. But uh, Merlin Olson uh, again is. I, I think it's based off of like uh, position. He he was kind of the modern day Aaron Donald, coming up with all these ridiculous stats, uh, playing the defensive tackle position. Uh, I mean, technically, he played both, but um, I would identify him more as a defensive tackle personally, but. I mean, it's just, man. And then you're talking about Jack Youngblood, who, <laughs> I mean, he's he's another, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, and and just another one that was a, a incredible addition to this franchise, and uh, kind of a fun fact, also a damn good wrestler. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I have him number three too. Uh, his stats are ridiculous. 14-time Pro Bowler. Um, 
that record broke this season. Uh, it took that long for somebody to make more Pro Bowls than Merlin Olsen, uh, and it ended up being Tom Brady, obviously. Uh, Bruce Matthews and Tony Gonzalez are tied at 14, but this guy retired in, what, the 70s? And he held that record for that long. That's a testament to his longevity uh, in an era where a lot of players didn't last that long. Um, Ten-time All-Pro, I think it was five first team, five second team, but don't quote me on that. I didn't write it down. And yeah, just a dominant force doing crazy things in the middle of the defensive line, playing in the fearsome force in the most iconic uh, front four in NFL history. He appeared on 51 episodes of Little House on the Prairie. Uh, the guy did it all, man. The guy did it all. He's my number three as well. Uh, number four, pretty obviously Jack Youngblood here. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy if you think about if there's four eras of Rams jerseys, the white and blue, uh, the blue and gold of the original L.A. Rams, um, the the navy and gold of St. Louis, and then the current jerseys. Three out of the four guys who I think you first think of when you think of those Rams jerseys are on this list. Uh, I think the the Navy jerseys is probably Marshall Falk, maybe Kurt Warner, maybe Isaac Bruce, Torrey Halt. Um, but to me, I think when you and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think of when you think of the quintessential jersey, it is Jack Youngblood's number eighty five, uh, and I think that says something. Oh yeah, he he was. I mean. It's it's an iconic jersey for sure, and and a damn awesome last name. I mean, if you're ever to think of a ruthless defender, how awesome is it to have Youngblood as your last name? Mm-hmm. And it's part of the reason, in my opinion, why he uh, has so many. I mean, other than the fact that this guy was a freaking badass. Like, I don't know if there was a tougher player to ever play this game. I mean, <laughs> the the man played games, not even just like, you know, a few minutes or, or, you know, a play. He played games with a broken leg. How is that possible? How is he human? <laughs> Don't, I, I, I just coughed really loud and Johnny stopped, but I was on mute for the, for the listeners, Johnny. <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, I caught Usually if I'm coughing, I mute myself, but I don't mute the Facebook chat we're on. So the listeners don't hear it, but you hear a lot of the stupid shit I'm doing during the pod. <laughs> well, I, I I mean, it was a good time to cut in because, uh, I, I mean, there's not enough good things to be said about this dude. It, it There really isn't. And um, me, myself, I, I've actually met the man in person. And dude is awesome. Like I, I've met uh, a few legends here, um, but Jack Youngblood is by far one of the you know coolest guys I've ever met. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget this dude has massive hands. You know I'm a I'm a big guy myself, but uh, you know him, my my hands are buried in his hand when I shook his hand, and I'm like, how is that possible? This guy. <laughs> and for as old as he was when I met him, he he still had a hell of a handshake, man. Like I'm like, all right, bro. Like it's not that serious. No need to crush my hand now. <laughs> He's tough as they come, like you said. Eight time All Pro, seven time Pro Bowler, 
Uh, I believe his sack numbers are unofficial too, but he led the league in sacks unofficially twice. Um, he'd have 151 and a half career, which would be, I think only like seven behind Deacon Jones on the Rams all time list. Uh, so Aaron Donald is a long way to go before he catches either of these guys. Um, just, yeah, an icon, man. I mean, there's, there's not much else to say about him. And I think if we were ranking the overall Mount Rams, Mount Rushmore, the four guys we just talked about could be the entire list. Uh, it would not surprise me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think you probably sneak in like a Jackie Slater or one of the greatest Sean Turf players, but it's hard to kick any of these guys out. I mean, they're all icons, and certainly the four best defensive players we're about to talk about today. Yeah, and then and then the funny thing is, you know, the guys that are behind him um, are are, you know, no slouches themselves, but, you know, they just get overshadowed by these legends. You know, these are big shoes to fill and, and damn, like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know of any franchise that have these many great defensive linemen. Uh, it, it would be hard to find one that has as good or as iconic of defensive linemen as the Rams have had throughout their history. Yeah, I, I, I think it's they got to be number one. I'm sure there's teams I'm forgetting, but for us to sit here and rank Jack Youngblood fourth is just fucking wild. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, number five, I had Larry Brooks. Uh, a, similar to Murray Olson, he benefited a lot from playing next to one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Uh, although, unlike Olson, he isn't also one of them, but still had a really great career with the Rams. Uh, four All Pro teams as a Ram, uh, and just one of the one of the linchpins of that defense next to Jack Youngblood uh, during the '70s, where they were a feared group. Do, do you have Brooks at five, or you have someone else? No, I have Brooks at five, and and quite frankly. Uh... I, I I agree that uh he did benefit quite a bit from playing next to Youngblood, but uh it, it's really hard not to appreciate everything he contributed as well. Uh, you know, th- this guy, like I said, no slouch. I, I think um even if he didn't have that benefit of playing next to Youngblood, he could certainly be um, you know, one of the better offensive linemen in Rams history, if you put him in a different generation, just because of how good he played. Um, 
Uh, it's unfortunate that he doesn't get as much love as he deserves. Uh, but then again, defensive tackles in general don't get the love that he does that they deserve. So it, it's it's sad, but it's reality. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for him, when you look at the rest of these guys on these lists, it's just it's a murderous row. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's tough. He did get a Super Bowl ring as a coach, though. So good oh, for guy, go. Larry. Uh, I feel like there was a mix of options that could have been at six. Am I missing an obvious six? Like, did you feel like the six spot was obvious here? Uh, there could have been a several routes you could have gone. Um, but I think that six is kind of obvious also. Who'd you roll with? I went with, uh, Fred Dreyer, um, there's no question the impact that he had. And uh, much like the other guys we've already talked about, he benefited playing on, on a pretty good defensive line. Uh, but, um, you know, Fred Dreyer is, is a, is kind of the forgotten man on, uh, on the uh, fearsome foursome. Um, and it's, it's a shame really, because uh, I, I feel like, he he uh, he shouldn't be forgotten. You know, he has these the stats to back him up. Um, I know that the sacks weren't you know in his favor then because they weren't really a recorded stat. At least I don't think so during his career. Um, I'm right about that, right? It's same. Yeah, he did unofficially lead the league in sacks once. Um, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same with, with uh, Jack Youngblood. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I. I I like Fred Dreyer a lot, and uh, but there are other guys that come to mind as well. You know, obviously Rosie Greer is kind of another guy um, that you can put up there. Uh, Andy Robustelli. Um, you know, there's quite a few guys. Leonard Little, Kevin Carter. You know, all these guys could be up there, though Kevin Carter could be considered a linebacker as well. Uh, but for me, I think he did better with the Rams as a defensive end. Uh but, yeah, ultimately, I think Fred Dreyer is the kind of no-brainer here. Man, I forgot about Rosie Greer. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> My. <laughs> so, so, I actually don't think it's Rosie Greer because he had his best days in the, on the Giants. Um, yes. <laughs> looking at these guys, there's a lot of them that really they had one peak season where they're really good and ultimately were good the whole time. But uh, my number six was Robert Quinn. Oh man. That's a, that's actually not a bad one to say, to be honest. I forgot about Robert Quinn. Um, yeah. Because I, I admittedly overlooked Fred Dreyer because I didn't watch him play. Um, I certainly am not going to argue with the pick. Uh, I did have him on my list, though. I didn't. I, I legitimately forgot about Rosie Greer. So sorry, Rosie. Guy's a legend. Um, I was kind of batting around here. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think Kevin Carter was quite on the level as these guys, so you could put him in the conversation. I was really batting around between Robert Quinn and Leonard Little, um, and I think like people kind of forget how good like Robert Quinn's twenty thirteen season was, like one of the best Rams single seasons, I think ever. Um, 
I wouldn't put it on par with Aaron Donald in 2018, but like I don't think it's that far off from some of Aaron Donald's other seasons where he was great. I mean, he was unbelievable that year. I think he had 28 and a half sacks, led the league. He was very close to breaking the sack record. Um, he only made two Pro Bowls as a Ram. Uh, he made it the next year of that one. But like that 2013 season was right before Aaron Donald got here. So it wasn't even with the Aaron Donald benefit. Uh, you know, I wish he could have stayed a little healthier while Donald was here. And I honestly, I wish they just kept him around because he's, he made a Pro Bowl last year. Uh, I know, I know they had money issues. I know they couldn't afford him. Uh, ultimately it worked out for everybody, but, uh, I just think he was really underrated and a guy that I watched as an adult. And so I have more of a soft spot for him than all these guys I never really watched in Leonard Little, who I watched as a kid. Um, so I'll stand by my pick, man. I like Bobby Quinn. That's my guy. I'll give a shout-out to Chris Long, Michael Brockers, too, but I don't think they really crack it. I, don't, I think they're behind the, the Little Quinn dryer tier. Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I actually forgot about Robert Quinn, and I think it's because he... He, he did spend a good chunk of his career with the Rams, but I feel like it was just that one season. And, and again, you kind of pointed this out yourself that um, there was quite a few other guys that could have been on the, this list that had that one magical season and the rest were, you know, either decent or, um, you know, they were okay, but they weren't, um, you know, they weren't anywhere near that one great season. But uh, Robert Quinn is a solid choice, and I honestly have no arguments there. Um, I think I, I, I honestly think I have a deeper appreciation for these older guys, um, like the Fred Dryers of the world, uh, because as at growing up a Ram fan, you know, one of the things uh, being taught from a kid, from my people like my dad and my grandpa, who you know, absolutely, we're diehard Ram fans, and um, they couldn't tell you they couldn't tell you a lick of what uh, uh, you know current Rams players are. But back then, they knew every single player, and they could tell you each player um, what they brought to the team, and and it's very understandable as to why. I mean, with legends like that, why would you want? to remember anybody else. This was such an incredible generation, and it's why it's such a tragedy that there wasn't a Super Bowl to, to show for it. Yeah, and for two two decades, they were really good, and just they never got there. Um, And, yeah, you are definitely more of a Rams historian than me, and I think that's about to be really exposed in these next couple of positions here. Um, but hopefully my list is up to snuff here. Let's go to linebacker. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to let you grade me and see if I have the right list. Okay. Number one, I have Isaiah Robertson. Do you want me to grade you as, as we go, or do you want me to grade at the end? I want to know if this is the correct number one. That is the correct number Hell one. Hell yeah. Okay. I was pretty confident in this one. Six-time All-Pro with the Rams. Uh or six-time All-Pro and Pro Bowler, uh, long-time starter in the 70s, locked in with that great unit with Youngblood and Dreyer and some of these other guys we just talked about. 
And I think the Rams, like, it's not a a storied history at the actual linebacker position. Uh, There are some good players in this list, but, like, I think clear, it felt clear cut to me. So I'm glad that was correct. Yeah, linebacker is very different from defensive line. Quality players here, um, but, I I mean, if you were to put, like, a a compile of list of all-time Ram greats, uh, the defensive line would would rain all over the linebackers. Like there's, it's not even close. I mean, yeah, if we combine linebacker and the last group we talked about, uh, the highest Robertson would be is fifth, and maybe even not ahead of Larry Brooks. But no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. So hey, legend, uh, a lock on our list. So good for him. Okay, number two. I had Kevin Green. I personally do not have Kevin Green here, but I can understand why you would put him here. Kevin Green's a tricky one because he had his best years after he left the Rams. Um, but he did have an all-pro season here. He was good during his last couple of years here, really good. Um, crazy if you look at his career trajectory, how much better he was at the end of his career than at the beginning. Uh, and the guy's a Hall of Famer. And like I said, unless I just forgot some really obvious players here, I didn't feel like it was that strong of a group. Who'd you have at number two? Me personally, I have Les Richter. Um, and that's going way back. Uh, I did not uh, go that far back for linebackers. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this is the correct decision, and I should not have left now. <laughs> Les Richter was a badass. Like, there was... Um, he may not have had the decorated career as some of these guys that we've already mentioned, but it, it's a shame that he isn't. And let's put it this way. The Rams traded away 11 players to land the rights to Les Richter. I, I no, I'm not, I'm not joking. It was 11 players <laughs> and the Rams wanted him that badly. And, I think it worked out for the better. I mean, uh, I'm, again, I, I'm not in in this uh, delusion saying that Les Richter is one of the, you know, I, I wouldn't even put this guy in the top 10 uh, Rams players of all time, but he's still a pretty damn good player. And, you know, one of the reasons why this guy was, was just such a badass is because he's one of the hardest hitters you'll ever see at linebacker. Like seriously, when you when you have a minute, take a look at tape, and you'll see just how hard this man hit. I can't believe the tape even exists. Yeah, it's uh, there's not much. <laughs> you know, this is a a really tough omission for me personally, Johnny, because for our very long time listeners, you will remember me reading an ad for Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Glit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams where we learned about players such as Tom Fears, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Norm Van Brocklin, and Les Richter, who I mentioned in every ad for two <laughs> years, and I forgot him for this list. I was, I'm actually surprised you uh, you forgot Les Richter. I mean, you did read the ad for so long. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to love about the guy. He was uh, a hell of a cover linebacker as well. Um, and uh, was also a kicker, eight time, uh, eight time All Pro, four uh, or seven time All Pro, eight time Pro Bowler, 
uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's uh, this was correct. I was wrong. Um, so then if you didn't have Kevin Green, who'd you have at number three? Uh, so at number three, I have Jack Purdy. Okay, he was my number three on my incorrect list too. So I'll <laughs> I'll take a bonus point. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, uh, Kevin Green being this high, you can certainly make him at number two uh, because you know he was a damn good player himself. Well, I'll get to him later, uh, but uh, you know, Kevin Green would be a solid choice if you were a diehard Kevin Green fan, which. Uh, to be honest, I, I like Kevin Green a lot. I I did watch him a little bit. Um, uh, actually, no, I take that back. No, it wasn't Kevin Green. I'm talking about. I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, but uh, Kevin Green was uh, was someone that you you wanted to keep an eye on. Um, I, I did watch him a little bit, but not as a Ram. I, I take that back. Ke- Kevin Green. Um was the by a couple groups defensive player of the year in 1996 and in that same year he fought um he had a match against rick flair and arn anderson at the wcw pay-per-view the great american bash so he fought rick flair and won defensive player of the year in the same year you know the funny thing is i i remember that because (laughs) i used to love wcw um, I, I, I think I even liked it more than the WWF at the time, which is kind of funny because I mean, WWF obviously reigned supreme over, over them. But, uh, <laughs> I freaking loved when Kevin Green came out, I was like, holy shit. I didn't know football players can, even though there was uh, a big history of football players going into wrestling. Yeah. And, and like, I'm learning this on Wikipedia. They, after that year, teams were putting stipulations in his contract that he couldn't wrestle. So they were clearly not happy about it. Okay. Number four. So there, <laughs> again, uh, not a historian here. There were some guys I batted around, but I ultimately ended up going with James Laurinaitis here. Uh, the Rams all time leading tackler, obviously tackling is also a stat that wasn't counted for years. I'm sure he wouldn't be, if it was counted for all of history, but it wasn't. And he has the accolade. Uh, he was one of the few bright spots on some ugly Rams teams. Uh, and I would say one of the icons of St. Louis Rams defenses. So I'm going to give him a nod here. Uh, did you have Kevin green here? Do you have Laurinaitis or do you have somebody else? I, I had Kevin green at number four. Okay. So, so, and, and truthfully, I did battle with, Laronitis for the sixth spot, um, but I ultimately left Laronitis off the list. Oh, did you do six linebackers? I did. Oh, I did not. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll just kind of yeah, make rattle, them honorable mentions. Rattle then. them off. You you wrote uh, them. So uh, for the fifth spot, I gave it to Jack Reynolds, another very solid guy. Um, and, and this is why, you know, as you get closer to the end here, you're, you're going to see quite a few guys that could have been chosen here. James Laronitis could have easily been number five at, like, and for me. And, and uh, I did consider it because um, although he didn't really have as much accolades as some other guys on this list, um, he was a quality, quality player. 
constantly making tackles and you know he was just a very dependable linebacker and um you know i i wish that he was on better teams he kind of had like the the chris long situation where they had some quality defensive players on on those teams but just didn't have the offense to back them up which sucks but um yeah, James Laronitis is certainly someone you could have on the list, but I decided to put Jack Reynolds there. Uh, again, another quality player. Um, and for number six, I feel like the number six guy that I put here is more of a... I, I feel like he's more of a uh, feels kind of player than he is like an actual like bona fide uh, player, not that he wasn't talented because he was a uh, very talented player. Uh, but I, you can almost argue that James Laronitis can be here more. And I put Carl Ekron. Ah, I thought and... you were say Troy Reader. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Troy Reader, but uh, Carl Ekron, I feel like, uh, not that he didn't have his own like uh contributions to this team because he certainly does. Uh, but he was just one of the guys that you appreciate having on the team. You know, he was uh, a damn good player on a damn good person on and off the field. Um, And that's something you want on your team, you know? So yeah, you, you can have these quality players on, on your team, but to have somebody that, that, you know, has, um, you know, that kind of uh, contribution as a person, um, I think that's kind of why I gave it to him. And, and I mean, there's a reason why the Rams even have like a team award named after him. So, um, yeah, I, I gave it to Carl Ekron, but admittedly, I think James Laronitis might deserve this spot more than him. I, I, I don't think it's like, I, I think you could definitely make the case for Ekron, uh, over Laronitis. And I don't, uh, I, I, I wouldn't argue with any of these choices over Laurinaitis. Truthfully, I just um, didn't dive deep enough to find these guys, and I think you, uh, you're you schooling me, and I, I needed to be schooled. <laughs> nah, I mean, there, there are, these are like a matter of opinion. There, there could be, uh, you know, people out there that don't agree with us, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that's more of a testament to how good of, especially on the defensive side of the football, that the Rams have truly had it. Um, you know, a defensive line is just legendary. Linebackers are pretty good. And then we'll enter the secondary where it gets a little bit, uh, you know, going to the bottom of the barrel uh, for, you know, compared to the rest of the list. Okay, so did you do six for all of these? Uh, no, no. Uh, okay, only so... linebackers and uh, defensive line. Okay, so we got four corners, four safeties. Uh, we do. Okay, cool. Let's do corners. Okay. Um, I, so it's such a, like, there are obviously some good players in here, but it's such a weak group overall that I went Jalen Ramsey number one. Uh, it's not, it's not tight end week though. No, no, no. The, I mean, there are all time. Well, there are some great players on this list It is not tight ends. There wasn't a single great player on that list. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ramsey's only been here for two and a half years, but we are giving a lot of people the recency bias and Super Bowl bump, and I think he deserves it. 
Um, I think he will ultimately go down as a Hall of Fame cornerback when it's all said and done. Um, the last two years, I believe he's been a first-team all-pro. He's been absolute lockdown. Uh, the Rams gave up a lot to get him, and he's given them their money's worth. And even though they're paying so much money to him and Aaron Donald, they're both so good that it doesn't matter because you could surround them with okay players, and they will just elevate every player around them. Uh, the cornerbacks and sa- safeties that have played with Jalen Ramsey here are not that good. Um, Jordan Fuller aside, and even he hasn't been perfect, he is elevating this bunch. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I, I, I just think he's easily the most talented player on this list, and you can make a case for him not being number one because he hasn't been here that long, but I had him number one. Um, so I didn't actually have Jalen Ramsey at number one. I had him at number two and basically for exactly the same reasons that you said, uh, I mean, this guy is, I, I mean, th- we talk a lot about Aaron Donald, um, being a big factor in the Super Bowl, and he was, but it was the Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey show on defense. Um, there, there's no better defensive duos in, in football in uh, modern day football uh, right now. And Jalen Ramsey is a big part of that. And no disrespect to the other legends that are on this list, but he is really that talented. And I do think eventually Jalen Ramsey will overthrow who I have at number one, which I am, I imagine most of you and Steve uh, already know who the number one guy I have. But Jalen Ramsey, in my opinion, um, is the number two guy for now. But in the future, I, I foresee him taking the, the number one spot. So did you have a number one then? I had Dick the Night Train Lane. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, this guy is legendary, holds the most interceptions in a single season, his rookie year, uh, oddly enough. And on top of that... He uh, he's held that record throughout <laughs> throughout uh, modern day NFL, and there's they played more. They're playing more games, and it really doesn't come any close to him. Uh, you know, uh, mind you, this was he he hasn't had as consistent of a good career as you know other legendary defensive backs. Well, um, well, he had a fucking killer career, he uh, but he was only here for two years. Yep, yeah. yeah, he was, and and uh, you know he he did have a good career. He's a Hall of Famer, so there's there's something to be said about that. But um, if you compare him to like uh, you know cornerbacks, like if you if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of cornerbacks in general, not just on the Rams. He, he doesn't come anywhere close to that, I would think. Probably, probably not, no. But he he's an all-time great. And, it, well, so I I actually just retroactively moved him from four to three because I think not having him at three contradicts a lot of logic I've said about other players on this podcast. Um, but to me, I had him three because he was only here for two years. Um, even though he had the interception record here, uh, he was a 10-time All-Pro, and none of those came here. Um, all that came after. 
And he had the interception record. It's insane. I don't think I don't know if it'll ever be broken. Um, nope. It probably won't ever be broken. Um, but even though he only played twelve games, you have to factor in how fucking terrible quarterbacks were in nineteen fifty two. And <laughs> like when we talked about corner quarterbacks, almost every good quarterback had a negative touchdown to interception ratio. Like it was comical. Um, and still 14 interceptions is fucking crazy. And I, it will never be broken because quarterbacks don't throw that many interceptions now. Um, and so like, you'd have to be in the same division as like Jameis Winston and pick him off eight times in the two games you play him to even have a shot. But, uh, yeah, like he, he's an all time. Great. I had him three. I have, uh, Maybe you have, or did you say you had Ramsey too? Yes. So I had Leroy Irvin too. I don't know if he was on your list. Yes, he was number three for me. Okay, so we're on track. Uh, Leroy Irvin is the overall Rams interception leader, a two-time All-Pro, uh, major player in the 80s Rams teams. You probably know him more about him than me, so I'm going to let you talk about him. Well, um, uh... Before we get in there, there's one thing I I have to mention because uh, I think you'll find this pretty fascinating. Uh, Do you know what position Dick the Night Train Lane was drafted as? It wasn't cornerback. Was it tight end? It was tight end. (laughs) I had a feeling it was end. (laughs) Uh, It was, uh, I mean, maybe if he had started a tight end, maybe we'd have an all-time great tight end. (laughs) But uh, yeah, sorry, I had to mention that. But it it would have been a waste not to mention that. Well, so but, his, so he wasn't even drafted, Johnny. His his career is just fucking silly. Um, this is how this is how silly the football was in the fifties. Uh, he graduated. He played junior college for one year. Um, he was the only black player on the team. Nineteen forty seven. Went to the army for four years. Uh, caught 18 touchdown passes at his Army football school uh, as a tight end and then uh, was just working, drove by the Rams' office on a bus ride, walked in with a scrapbook of clippings of him playing football and asked for a tryout, according to Wikipedia. Uh, And then, like you said, he tried out as an end. They switched him to defensive back. And then he broke... (laughs) <laughs> the interception record. It's like Kurt Warner shit. Yeah, like seriously, there should be a movie about this guy. <laughs> that that's that actually might be a little more epic if you ask me. <laughs> uh not that Kurt Warner's story wasn't epic, but I mean it, he had clippings of himself. I mean that's that's interesting. I, that I didn't clippings. know. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, okay, uh, enough about Lane. Uh, moving on to Leroy Irvin. So, interestingly enough, you know, we, we talk about how guys that you um, you think of when you think of uh, legendary Rams players, obviously, you know, some of the first players that come to mind are the Merlin Olsons, the Deacon Jones, the Jack Youngbloods of the world, but kind of, you know, the – you know, a fan favorite that people talk about, you know, especially uh, when legends, you know, come and meet is Leroy Irvin because of how cool he is with fans. Like, seriously, this guy is is really cool. He's always at 
at uh you know um events whether it be rams fest or you know other other events because he's essentially the embodiment uh, of a uh, uh a rams player you know um he he's really uh a nice overall dude but on top of that this guy was a kick-ass cornerback um if i'm not mistaken he had 34 interceptions if i recall correctly um, I could be wrong about that. I'm thinking off the top of my head because, you know, I, I'm super prepared on this. But um, 35, you're one off. I was one off. Okay, 35 interceptions. My bad. Uh, but, you know, on top of that. Oh, wait, was... Johnny. I'm going to give you your credit. 34 as a Ram and one as a Lion. <laughs> so you nailed it. <laughs> I, I, I'll. I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize you played for the Lions. <laughs> one year. One year at the end of his career. Yeah, it makes sense. But interesting. All right. Well, then you learn something new every day. Uh, so one of the reasons that made Leroy Irvin so good was how quick he was. I mean, if I um, if I remember correctly, he was also a pretty damn good punt returner. Um, and, you know, obviously, if you have that kind of speed, uh, that that's going to be very valuable to you as a cornerback. Um, is he, you know, someone that you'd consider in a Mount Rushmore of all time, great cornerbacks, probably not, but certainly deserves a spot on the Rams uh, Mount Rushmore of cornerbacks. I, uh, and again, damn awesome guy. If you have an opportunity to talk to him, I, I highly encourage you. He's, he, he's really cool. He's a really cool dude. Yeah, he's uh, he's an all-time great Ram. Um, agree with everything you said. I think you can make the case for him being number one here just based on longevity, um, which Night Train Lane did not have and Jalen Ramsey doesn't have quite yet. Um, but yep. I think a, a year or two more of Ramsey, and it's just not a discussion anyone can reasonably have. And then, like, yeah, so those three guys, I think it's kind of the end of, like, the real glory players here on the list. Unless I'm missing somebody... Uh, I had Todd Light at number four. Was a good player. He, he made a all pro team in '99. He was a longtime starter at cornerback, second in Rams history overall in tackles behind Laurinaitis, and uh, was a key player in the Super Bowl run in '99. So to me, it felt like an easy decision. Um, we are going to talk about Aeneas Williams, but I think we both classify him more as a safety on the Rams. And even if not, I think I still might have Todd Light here just because of the longevity we've talked about. We kind of got a niece at the end of his career. Is there even anyone else really in the conversation? Like we would just be, we'd be talking about like Tremaine Johnson and Janoris Jenkins and guys like that at this point. Actually, um, I I'm not gonna lie, I forgot about Todd Light, and I do I do think he deserves to be there. Um, but I do have a guy that that comes really close, and maybe he deserves to be uh, an honorable mention here. Um, but I have Jerry Gray. Um, okay. I don't know if you can hear my keyboard clicking, but you gotta, you gotta tell me about Jerry Gray. <laughs> so Jerry Gray, um, nice. was, a okay. Yeah. yeah. They, I know. I, Jerry Gray was looking at the accolades, two time all pro and four time pro bowl with the Rams. So, I mean, yeah, he, I, I wouldn't say it should be top light. I, I think you're probably correct here. I mean, Todd Light is a is a very good choice here because, as you said, um, he he was a, a key guy on um, 
you know, the 99 Super Bowl team and, and kind of somebody that's often sadly forgotten about. Well, I shouldn't be, but he is. Uh, but, uh, you know, Todd Light could certainly be in this conversation. But, you know, I'll stick with Gray just because, well, I, I chose him. But, um, you know, I, I like Jerry Gray a lot. Um, definitely the reason why I kind of give the nod more to Todd Light is because he has a Super Bowl ring as opposed to Jerry Gray, who mm, played on disappointing teams. There was a few teams that he played on that were pretty good. But, uh, you know, he he even on some of those disappointing teams, he played very, very well. Um, I believe he was – was he a two-time Pro Bowler? Off the top of my head, or was he a four one? time? Four times. Oh, okay, wow. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, I, I think, pretty, like, I would say pretty clearly should be four. And you can make the case that him and Todd Light should be on here both over a night train lane because he was only here for two years. But, um, at least to me, I know you had night train lane number one. I think you're being biased towards his whole career, personally. Probably. I, 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 if we're going based off of uh, longevity with the team, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's hard not to appreciate Night Train Lane, especially considering he's, he made that record as a Ram. And I can't help but be proud of that. You know, there's always that one stat that you'll remember in the back of your head, kind of like uh, Dickerson's rushing record. Yeah. You know? And that's some like Wilt Chamberlain shit that's never going to be broken. <laughs> yeah and uh will chamberlain is also another guy that uh i can't help but be proud of as well I, even though he played in an era of which was absolutely garbage <laughs> so just like to talk about how bad cornerbacks used to be only out of all the guys that have had over 12 interceptions in a single season only three of them played past after 1970, and the latest was 1980. Uh, Lester Hayes on the Oakland Raiders had 13 in 1980. Um, and so even with the benefit of more games, people are not coming close to this record. The closest we've had in the modern era, um, a lot of guys have had 10. Xavier Howard in 2020 is probably the most notable recent example. Uh, and he wasn't even close to the record. Oh, Trayvon Diggs last year had 11. Um, and that felt pretty fluky. I was laughing when um, I, I recall uh, reading an article. I, I don't remember who the writer was, but that I was reading an article about, you know, potential players that could break records. And it was like um, it was like a little past the midway point of the season. And Trayvon Diggs came up with uh, potentially beating uh, Lane's uh, record of fourteen, and I'm like, "There's no way in hell this he, guy." Does he got that. hot early, though, right? Like he did. To be fair, he did. But uh, okay, <laughs> I, I look back at some of those interceptions, and I'm like, "Man, a lot of those were gimmies." You want they? Yeah, they were. You want to hear the dumbest stat ever before we move on to safeties? Um, Let's hear them. I, I want to. I love dumb stats because I noticed this while. Uh, Looking at this list. So, Sammy Baugh, what position do you think... Sammy Baugh played quarterback, correct? He did. So, in 1943, he threw uh, he threw 19 interceptions, 
But on defense, he also recorded 11. Which, like, he played both ways? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't... And it reco- wouldn't <laughs> he, he recorded 11 interceptions and threw 19 himself. Like, that is just so... Early NFL is, is absolutely outrageous. Oh, yeah. What a, no what a silly stat. Uh, let's go to safeties. Okay, so... I also might get schooled on here, but I feel like the first two are super obvious. Yep. Um, who'd you have number one? I had Eddie Metter. Was that was that correct? You know, the funny thing is, I was I was kind of going back and forth on this one, and I I want to say Nolan Cromwell, but I I'm with it's you. Very, on this. It's very close. It um, is. That- it, it was really hard. The accolades. Um, but I went with Eddie Metter also. Yeah, the accolades stack up pretty evenly. Metter was a five-time All-Pro. Cromwell was a four-time All-Pro. Uh, Cromwell on the '80s All-Decades team, three-time Pro Bowler. Metter was a six-time. Uh, Cromwell eleven great years with the Rams in the '80s. Uh, and Metter is the Rams' all-time leader in uh, interceptions, and so. I mean, like, I, I don't like, should I be going with Cromwell based on how much I've been ragging old guys, racking up interceptions against shitty quarterbacks? I don't know. I'm going to give a slight edge to Metter here, but uh, they're both all-time great Rams. I, I, I'll i go ahead and change it to Cromwell just, just to butt heads with you. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, either one of these guys, it's kind of a toss-up. You could almost say it's it's a it's a tie at first because both of them, were really, really talented safeties and both easily deserve a spot um, at one or two. It's just, it's a toss up for me. And uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll say Cromwell. What, what the hell? Why not? Why not? They're both greats. Number three. Um, I had Dave Elmendorf. Mm-hmm. Was that right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I I, I personally had Elmendorf at number four, but it, it's not it, it's not wrong to have him at number three, to be honest. Yeah, and so your number four was a guy we mentioned briefly, uh, Aeneas Williams, correct? Yeah, that is correct. So, so I, I had Aeneas Williams listed in my cornerbacks, and I didn't include him because he wasn't here for that long, but uh, ultimately I revised this and added him at safety at number four uh he did make a pro Bowl while he was here two of them uh he was really good at the end of his career played both cornerback and safety i really wanted to try and make a case for uh rams talk radio host michael stort here um who might be coming up at five if we expanded it to five but yeah i think aeneas is, i think these are the clear four guys yeah um if if i had <laughs> No, just, I feel like a total asshole now saying uh, an honorable mention, uh, and it's not going to be Stewart. <laughs> I don't think Mike's going to be mad at us. Uh, so, <laughs> my my, forgive me, Mike. Uh, my my honorable mention went to Johnny Johnson. Um, doesn't get nearly as much love as he deserves, but neither does Mike Stewart for that matter. I originally had Johnson at four when I wasn't going to include Aeneas Williams, and then I was just going to make the case for for my guy Mike, um, who is one of the most successful Los Angeles Rams podcast hosts in the biz. So there you have it. None of these other players have that accolade. 
I don't have that accolade for sure. <laughs> okay, I want to do coaches. We'll see how long that goes. Maybe we'll save special teams for different podcasts. Yeah. Okay. So, coaches, I feel like Sean McVay is number one, and it's not even a fucking discussion. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you watch the team just be horrible for the 10 years before he got here. I give Jeff Fisher props because people forget how fucking bad the team was before he got here, and I think we mentioned that in our Chris Long interview. Um, they were horrible. He gets in, he changes the team, but by the time he left, they were back to being really shitty again. And McVeigh comes in from day one. Uh, this is just a new team. There were some new faces around, um, but the general manager was here when Lesney was here. Aaron Donald was here, or sorry, Lesney was here when Jeff Fisher was here. Aaron Donald was here during that era. Todd Gurley was here during that era. Jared Goff was here during that era. Although Goff obviously is a touchy case. They bring in some new guys. Obviously, Whitworth is a big, the second most culture changer behind um, Sean McVay and that group. But just since 2017, what has it been? Five seasons. Made the playoffs four times. Never had a losing record. Made two Super Bowls. Won one. Not even a debate. There's no case for anyone else. No. And and there's there's so many things you could bring up to why Sean McVay is number one. I mean, this guy, it's incredible what he's already done at such a young age and how many coaches that is already under him. You know, how many of these, uh, the, how many of the Sean McVay coaching tree is out there? It, it's ridiculous, you know? Uh, we we used to make fun of a lot of these coaches getting these, you know, starting uh, or these uh, head coaching jobs, you know, the Zach Taylors of the world. And look, he only made the Super Bowl. So, you know, uh, obviously Sean McVay knows what he's doing in terms of uh, hi- hiring a coaching staff. He knows what he likes. And these guys end up being successful coaches somehow. And and. <laughs> Every year, it just seems like we d- we don't even get to keep these coaches for more than a year, uh, except for Raheem Morris for some reason. Yeah, but, right. It, it's wild. Uh, they just they just get gobbled up quickly. Um. So num the rest of the list I think is up for debate. Who who'd you have at number two? Number two is a no brainer for me, and that's Dick Vermil. Yeah, I I thought so too, but I wanted to confirm. Because it's it's tricky too. Because with with Dick Vermeil, he is here for three years. He wins nine games in his first two years, and then has one of the most miraculous Super Bowl runs ever, and then retires. And ultimately, as I talked about on a recent pod, I think the downfall of the Rams can be stemmed to that moment because so many bad decisions were made after he left by a brain trust of guys that ultimately wouldn't have had that much power if he was still here. Um, and he clearly regretted leaving because he signed with the Chiefs a year later. It's a big what if and a big sliding doors moment for the Rams if he doesn't retire and he stays here um, with Mike Martz as his offensive coordinator, who ultimately would have gotten a head coaching job at some point. But um, yeah, I think he's clearly number two, though, because like there's a lot of good coaches that have coached the Rams, um, but not like there's a lot of all-time great coaches who have just passed through here uh, and weren't here for that long. And ultimately, in Dick Vermeil's case, 
he won the big one here. He had his best season as a Hall of Fame coaching career here. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's two. Yeah, it's not even close. Um, And mind you, it could, if you're looking at it from a longevity standpoint, him not being here that long, I guess you can make that argument. But, I mean, he he came to the Rams. He, you know, constructed a, a team that is legendary, at least the offense is anyway. Um, so yeah, no, no questions asked from me. Uh, I, I think he's the clear number two guy here. Yeah, I agree. Well, okay. So I, I had Chuck Knox number three. Um, I did too. And that, yeah, that also feels pretty clear. I think, I, I think Dick Vermeule's number two, but I think there is a, well, maybe not because he didn't win the big one, but Knox is a coach oh. here. Five years, he has the highest uh, winning percentage as Rams head coach. It was only 14-game seasons, but he never lost more than four games uh, in his five years here. I'm just going to – so my best analogy here is when I rank the best comedy television shows ever, I will put number Arrested Development number one and just actively ignore the two Netflix seasons that happened years later. And that's what I'm going to do for Chuck Knox, Johnny. Uh, I'm going to ignore the second era of Chuck Knox that happened in the 90s entirely. Uh, it happened. Maybe there's some good stuff to take from it, like there was in seasons four and five Arrested Development. But we're only going to look at the good stuff here. Uh, he, his five years as the Rams in the 70s, he had the highest winning percentage out of any Rams coach ever. 54-15-1, and one, 79, 78% winning percentage. Um, coaches of the year in 73 lost in three straight NFC championship games that ultimately did him in, but uh, his, a great run. To be fair, um, Chuck Knox inherited a shit show in the 90s. Uh, I don't know if you put Bill Belichick there and he has a successful run there. <laughs> the, the, it was just kind of like a nightmare. And, and uh, I, I don't know if that was intended to be a nightmare but regardless, it was kind of a nightmare, um, especially getting towards the move to St. Louis. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know too many coaches that would have been able to turn the franchise around at that point. Just like uh, in 20, 2019, it was kind of hard to turn Arrested Development around. <laughs> uh, nobody really wanted to be there. I don't know why they were there. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, Knox had a great run, and, and like you said, I, it's like Jordan playing for the Wizards too. You don't take anything, <laughs> oh, oh, you don't take anything away from his legacy for that. Although that went much better than Chuck Knox's term here, but like you said, it was a disaster. Yeah, uh, Michael Jordan had a successful a, as an individual player than than he did as a as a team player there. Yeah, who number four? I think there's a couple ways you can go with it, but it like just really looking at it, I feel like it's got to be John Robinson. Um, you can make a case for some of these guys in the fifties, but like none of them were here that long. Uh, I, I was thinking about including Sid Gilman because if you look at his coaching tree, it's just fucking crazy. Chuck Knox is on it. George Allen's on it. Dick Vermeil's on it. So I guess just by that standpoint, maybe it should be Sid Gilman. Um, like you can trace it so far to the point that like, uh, like 
Sean McDermott and Doug Peterson are on the Sid Gilman coaching tree eventually. They're like great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, so because the tracing is he coached Al Davis, who coached Bill Walsh, uh, who has a fucking wild coaching tree. Uh, and so all of Bill Walsh's children on the coaching tree are Sid Gilman's, like, great-grandchildren. Um, so it's just funny how far you can trace it back. Scott Lenahan's on there, so I don't know. Maybe that takes maybe that takes points away from him. Uh, <laughs> but John Robinson was here for a while. He coached some really good teams in the 80s. He had the longevity. A lot of the coaches that walked through the store didn't have it. Um, and so that's why I'll give him the bump. You know, I I actually did debate this one uh, quite a bit. Um, John Robinson obviously has that longevity. Um, of course, he didn't do much with it. Not that the person I was considering did either. Um, I, I considered George Allen also. Yeah. Um, but I ultimately went with John Robinson sim- simply because of the longevity. But uh, I feel like George Allen doesn't get the respect he deserves. Um, I feel like he I, does, but like his best years weren't here. Eh, yeah, you have a point there. Yeah, like he uh, he he's revered in in Washington, and so yeah, I don't know. Um, but I I can say I threw him around too. Um, he's a Hall of Fame coach, uh, which only a few guys on this list are. So. Okay, we've been going for 70 minutes. I, let's just save special teams for when we got a free couple minutes in this pod and we could dive into it. Maybe we'll have some fun and actually break kickers and punters up. I mean, to be fair, we kind of did uh, the last uh, podcast we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty true. Uh, okay, any, any parting thoughts here before we go? Uh, just that I'm actually... You know, it's it's that time of year when I start watching highlights of of you know the twenty twenty one season because I'm just anxious for the season to start. But you know what, Steve? It's getting there, man. It's getting there because before you know it, training camp is gonna happen. We're gonna have some actual news for you guys. We're almost in August, man. We're real close. Uh, I mean, there is no news this week, right? No, not anything. Unless we want to do another "Do we give a shit" type of podcast, but I, <laughs> Not I think right once now. or I think once or twice a year is enough of that. Yeah, we've we've been going long enough. <laughs> All right, uh, you guys know where to find us. Follow us on Twitter at Ciberbero at Johnny Five Nine Six at Talk Rams. Uh, check out Blue Wire. Give us five star Apple Podcast review, and we'll talk to you guys soon. How how would you evaluate your season? I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.